0: Thursday, September 1st, 2011. We are a week and a day away from my uh, trip to Minnesota to speak across the street from the Crossing Church. Name of the event, Double Crossed by the Crossing, starts at 6.30 p.m. in Elk River, Minnesota at Elk River High School. You know, anybody who is you know, in and around Elk River or has a a crossing church in their uh, neck of the woods there in Minnesota, encourage them to come. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Chris Roseboro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. There is no shortage of crazy things being said out there, and we do the biblical discernment work and compare What people are saying, sound doctrine matters. If it didn't matter, then Jesus wouldn't have warned us about false Christs and false prophets. If it didn't matter, then the Apostle Paul would never have instructed his young pastors uh, that he was training, uh, Titus and Timothy, to rebuke those who teach contrary to sound doctrine. If sound doctrine didn't matter, if sound doctrine didn't matter, then the Apostle Paul would have never, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, instructed Timothy to study and show yourself approved as a workman who need not blush with embarrassment, but rightly handles the word of truth. You know, the reality is, is that uh, the American church scene and much of the Western world's church scene has become, well, woefully complacent about rightly handling God's word. Yet, that's one of the absolute primary prerequisites before anybody can go into the ministry. If you do not rightly handle God's word and rightly divide the word of truth, then biblically you're not qualified to be a pastor. If you are miserable at hermeneutics and exegesis and you're constantly reading yourself into a text, if you're constantly twisting God's word and eisegeting this and, and inserting yourself into that and allegori- allegorizing this and missing the point of that, then you're not e- actually you're not even qualified to be a pastor yeah you need to get out of the pulpit and what's interesting is is that we now live in the in a day where people who who basically market themselves as pastors to pastors okay where they're training other pastors on how to be good leaders how to how to how to apply particular leadership principles we've actually come to the day when people who are supposedly leaders to Christian leaders, pastors to Christian pastors, are actually publicly calling for the rejection and complete changing of the Christian vocabulary to the point of rejecting biblical language. Now, the only thing I could say to this is, it's obvious to me, that pastors who are making these types of um, suggestions are making these claims, they themselves are not qualified to be pastors. The biblical church, okay, the church that Jesus Christ set up, has been told to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that Christ has commanded. What that basically means is is all of the, you know, I love these red-letter Christians, that's such a silly thing. Um, all of the letters in the Bible are red letters because they're all inspired by God, the Holy Spirit. All Scripture, according to Scripture, is God breathed. You know, it is it is breathed out by God. Uh, that means that uh, that that everything written by the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, who is God, the, the third person of the Holy Trinity, those are red letters. Everything spoken by Jesus, those are, well, um, those are red letters too. Everything written down by the prophet Jeremiah, red letters. Isaiah, red letters. Why? Because all Scripture is God-breathed, and God's Word demands of its pastors that they preach the Word, that that they teach sound doctrine and sharply rebuke those who contradict it and teach things that ought not to be taught. But no, 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 no. That's see, that's politically incorrect. That's divisive. That's 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 oh, that's so old school. We don't do that anymore. We've all just agreed to get along, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what Pastor X says or how he mishandles this particular text. I'm sure that he's got a good heart. I'm sure that that uh, that you know we shouldn't judge the man because he has a zeal for God. Really, he has a zeal for God. If he had a zeal for God, why does he not have a zeal for rightly handling his word? I mean, how are you defining the the phrase zeal for God, a heart for God? How can a pastor honestly make the claim that he loves Jesus, but but hates his word so much that he refuses to submit to it and refuses to rightly preach it? Hmm. That every passage that is clearly about Jesus ends up being about the pastor or about you or about me, about some kind of weird Maslow's hierarchy of needs and self-actualization and all this kind of crazy stuff. Don't tell me, pastor, that you have a heart for the Lord when you despise and mishandle his word. Because Jesus makes it clear that if you love me, you will guard, you will keep my words. Yeah, that's what the Lord said. So anyway, I I seem a little bit exercised right now. <laughs> Let me give you something that you can uh, that I tangibly pray for right now, and uh, and here here's the idea, is that um, there is a, a reporter uh, for the uh, the local paper there in Elk River, Minnesota. his uh, His name is Bob, and Bob is now formally of the um, Star newspaper there in Elk River, Minnesota. He's formally of the Star newspaper there. And um, he has been laid off permanently due to budget cuts. At least that's what he's been told. Um, and yet at the same time, that uh, he was working on a two-week expose of you know, basically an article that was going to be published on two subsequent w- weeks exposing and airing out – all of the abuse that that has been ha- that has happened to people in the community of Elk River at the hands of Eric and Kelly Dykstra. Well, now that he's been well permanently laid off due to budget cuts, uh, that article well is not um, going to see the light of day. At least not in the Star News. So I've contacted Bob and have uh, basically invited him to write the article, and I will publish it in uh, the, latest, the next edition of the Pirate Christian Radio Journal, known as the Letter of Mark. I haven't heard back from him yet, but let's just say that I'm strongly encouraging him to take up uh, this, uh, this article again, despite the fact that all of his notes in the folder that he was working on are back at the Star newspaper. Um, I, it means that he's going to have to start over again. But pray, pray, pray that Bob takes this article back up so that we can publish it in the Pirate Christian Radio Journal and help, have this as a resource to point people to um, you know, regarding uh, the abuse that has been dished out at the hands of Eric and Kelly Dykstra there at the Crossing Church. So something tangible I'd like you all to pray for, so... I don't like taking no for an answer, and he didn't exactly say no to me. He didn't say yes either. He's made it sound like he's been he's been dealt a, a major setback, and I would like to encourage him along the lines of uh, let's let's pick, yeah, let's just see that as a setback and uh, get things done. So let's talk about what we are going to talk about on today's edition of Fighting for the Faith. We're going to start off with a, um, a Dominionist update. You know, you know this is okay. From time to time I I do these things called think-alongs. Consider this a mini think-along if you would. Okay. This morning my wife and I uh we, you know we we read the scriptures together every morning. That's part of what we do. We also, you know, uh read the scriptures every evening with uh with my uh my final child who's still at home. I we got two of our three kids, they're grown and married and out of the house and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, uh but uh, we so we read uh with my daughter in the evening and then my wife and I we have uh we, you know we read together. And, um, <laughs> it's one of those weird ideas that I come up with every now and then. It's, it's like, so, so here's the question I have. Okay. Uh, if you're familiar with the Dominionist, we've been doing some Dominionist updates uh, here and, um, and uh, the, well, uh, let's put it this way. Uh, the, the main concept of the Dominionist is the so-called seven mountains, uh, <laughs> so we my wife and i are reading in revelation 17 this morning and i'm and i just i i the question comes up in in revelation 17 the the, the seven, seven mountains are mentioned in uh, revelation 17 in fact let me read this to you you know just so that you you know you can think along with me if you would and uh, he, he, here's the idea um, the, the, um revelation 17 starting in verse 1 then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls these the seven bowls of judgment came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters, and with whom the kings of the earth had committed sexual immorality, and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers of the earth had become drunk. I think that's a that's coded language, symbolic language regarding false religion, but uh, you see that throughout the scriptures. Anyway, and he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, And it had seven heads and ten horns, and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. (laughs) Sounds just lovely. Anyway, on her forehead was written a name, Mystery, Babylon the Great, Mother of Prostitutes of the earth, of the Earth's Abominations. Fine name for a woman, too. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled greatly. But the angel said to me, Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman, of the beast with the seven heads and ten horns that carry her. The beast that you saw was, was is not, and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast because it was and is not and is to come. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. That would be the prostitute. And they are also seven kings of Five of whom have fallen. One is uh, the other. One is the other has not yet come, and when he does come, he must remain uh, only a little while. Now, I've read a lot of commentaries regarding, you know, how do you understand the seven mountains? I mean, a lot of people liken it to Rome because Rome is built on seven mountains. But that being the case, okay, he, he, here's my thought. Okay, why why is it that the Dominionists? would have as like the centerpiece of their concept, their theological concept, the seven cultural mountains or the seven mountains that we've got to take dominion over. (laughs) I mean, anybody with like like a lick of biblical sense would go, ooh, that's just – yeah, you don't want to do that. You got some marketing problems there. And the reason why is cuz the seven mountains, well that they those, those are associated with the great harlot, the, the, the horror of Babylon, the the, the beast and you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it, seriously, it would be like naming your church 666 church. I mean, people yeah, and saying, "Oh yeah, we're a Christian church." No, dude, no, no, you really don't want to put, do that. That's yeah, that's bad marketing. So so my question is, why is it the Dominionists are so gung-ho on these seven mountains, and this is like the centerpiece of their theology, when seven mountains, biblically, the, the 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 symbol that comes up, that is no bueno. It's That's just not good at all, like really, 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 really bad. It'd be like founding a Christian church and calling it Red Dragon Christian Church, something like that. You know, it just doesn't work. So anyway, we're going to be doing a dominionist update, and we're going to be listening to um, um, well, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, y- you're going to hear Chuck Pierce again, and you're going to—it's kind of like a, a potpourri. This is like a a montage of folks from Chuck Pierce's so-called church all prophesying. So you're going to hear Chuck Pierce as well as a few other people, and the name of the. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding here. Um, I'm not trying to be cute. The name of the video is "Fire in the Hole." This is a this is a prophecy regarding fire in the hole. <sighs> you know, which it would, and that's the thing you shout out before there's a destructive explosion: "Fire in the hole! Fire in the hole!" You ever watch MythBusters? You know when they go out to the Alameda bomb range? You know before they blow something up on MythBusters, they're firing, they're yelling out "Fire in the hole." And uh, so, yeah, <laughs> again, it just bat- it makes you wonder, I mean, do these people have any kind of biblical sense at all? You know, fire in the hole conjures up pictures of explosive destruction. This is not something I want to be embracing anyway. So we're, that's going to be our uh, Dominionist update today. And, uh, and then we're going to uh, switch gears. We're going to take a look at uh, two of the seeker-driven guys, uh, Vince Antonucci. Somebody sent me a blog post from Vince Antonucci's blog where he talks about his first experience doing stand-up comedy. Uh, stand-up – yeah, Vince Antonucci, who've, whose sermons we've reviewed you know, m- far too many times here at Fighting for the Faith, actually on his blog talks about his first experience doing stand-up comedy. And wait till you hear what he says on his blog about stand-up comedy and, and – and, uh, well, let, let me just kind of give you a teaser – he did such a great job that he was hired to do a real show, a real you know to do, to be part of a real stand-up comedy show at one of the casinos. But the casino, after hearing him perform, fired him. Okay, and uh, you're gonna hear why they fired Pastor Antonucci. A casino fired uh, Pastor Antonucci. You're going to find out why they did that uh, today, and then what we're going to do is we're going to switch gears and uh, we're gonna be, uh, going to be going to Granger, Indiana, and uh, the the Christian Post has uh, put a story out uh, by you know basically. Um, forwarding along the ideas of Tim Stevens, one of the he's the executive pastor of Granger Community Church. Here's the headline, which is the te- which is the teaser. Indiana pastor says saved the word saved should be removed from church vocabulary. Yeah, so there you. I mean, it's not that. So there, if your church is using the term saved, you got to chuck it, according to Tim Stevens. And in my mind, this just shows how completely biblically illiterate and out of step with God's word the seeker-driven movement has become. I mean, really? Boy, well, Tim Stevens, one of the guys who was, well, he's one of the thought leaders in the seeker-driven movement. And he's the executive pastor of Granger Community Church, which for a while was a rapidly growing purpose-driven, seeker-driven church. But really for the past few years, their attendance has flattened out, in fact, gone downhill so I mean why should anybody listen to him he's as, in, as far as seeker driven uh, metrics of success are concerned uh, Granger Community church is a flop it's a failure they're they're not they don't continue to grow they're going downhill they're, de- they're their membership is decreasing that means according to seeker driven uh, terminology and metrics of success, Granger Community church is no longer being blessed by God they're being cursed. Uh, they're part of the problem, not the cure. So, so what are they? What is you know Tim Stevens doing to you know grasp at straws to help grow things up again? I got an idea. Let's attack biblical language and tell churches to remove biblical language from their churches. Yeah, it sounds like a great idea. So, um, and then if uh, time permits, I've got a uh, Juanita Bynum uh, update. It's been a while, long time since I've talked about Juanita Bynum. Um, In fact, I think I mentioned her last time in in, uh, our Tinfoil Pyramid Hat episode where we had Cindy Trim um, (laughs) waxing uh, eloquent in in the most bizarre of fashions. Um, So, uh, yeah, apparently she's uh, created a bit of a stir because uh, she – well, um, she was typing in a – I I don't know if it's Facebook or Twitter, but I think it was Facebook – and uh, she started typing in tongues. Uh, apparently, you can do that. I had no idea. but So uh, we've got that. And then for our sermon review today, we're going to be going down to Birmingham, Alabama. Birmingham, Alabama. The name of the uh, the church is Church of the Highlands. Now, uh, we're not going to be hearing their 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 head pastor preach. Uh, we're going to be listening to another one of the major leaders. This is a guy who I don't think I've covered much, but who may be making more regular appearances here at Fighting for the Faith. Uh, a guy by the name of Dino Rizzo, Dino Rizzo. And um, he, he was um, re, he, he was a guest pastor preaching there at the Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. And um, the name of the sermon series is Life Story, and his sermon is entitled Show and Tell. And boy, this is an interesting sermon because in the sermon, the the biblical text that he pretty much begins with, Um, has to do with jesus's crucifixion great place to start let's let's get start with the 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 absolute core ground zero event of the biblical gospel itself christ and him crucified for our sins it's a great place to start but wait till you hear where he goes after that i mean do you think that he stays focused on what christ has done for us Not on your life. Dino Rizzo no sooner gets done reading that biblical text that he hijacks it and completely changes the subject, makes it no longer about Jesus, and starts talking about himself and you. So, yeah, you're not going to want to miss that. So we've got a lot of ground to cover on today's edition of Fighting for the Faith. I've gone long in the opening segment, but... uh, um, you know, make yourself comfortable, and uh, all I can say is, is that you know, tinfoil pyramid hats, bendy straws, and t- duct tape are uh, are well recommended for this edition of Fighting for the Faith. If you want to enjoy an adult beverage, we don't have a problem with that. Please keep in mind the biblical prohibition, though, is uh, it takes it to the limits of drunkenness. You don't you don't want to abuse a good gift that God has given you, and or become addicted to it. That's silly. That's uh, that's going back to slavery. You don't want to do that. So, and of course. Of course, of course, of course. If your neck of the woods is cool enough uh, then, and you have the ability to wear uh, fuzzy bunny slippers, they do enhance your listener experience. So just keep that in mind. So with that, we are going to dive into the program proper.
1: Jeez, what do you want to do tonight?
2: Same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. The
1: Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Pinky
3: and the Brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. A laboratory mice. The team has
1: to slice. The Pinky, the Pinky and the Brain. brain That's brain,
0: right. Brain, brain, uh, we're going to be listening to um, one of the apostles of dominionism, Chuck Pierce, as well as some other assorted folks from his. Um, church uh, leanne squire tiffany smith prophesying about um there being fire in the hole the subtitle of this particular video is you are god's glory furnace (laughs) again these people need some help here i mean it's it's like they're not even aware of that there's biblical symbols that are just not that are not positive for instance seven mountains that's bad. <laughs> Read Revelation 17. Uh, fire in the hole. That's not biblical, but that's bad too. God's glory furnace. Well, the Bible talks about the fiery furnace and God being glorified by it. So, yeah, these the, these folks need some, like, Bible 101 stuff because, uh, you know, uh, well, anyway, here, here, listen for yourself. Now this is uh, this is um, uh, Leanne Squire. She's their praise and worship leader there at Chuck Pierce's uh, the Apostle Chuck Pierce's Church. Say, there's fire in the hole. There's fire in the hole. There's fire in the hole. And the Lord says, her- Yeah, she said it three. T- I think that's a requirement there for you know explosions. Uh, there's fire in the hole. An explosive anointing for what has been your woundedness. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, n- nothing's registering here. I have no clue what she's talking about. The Lord says
1: an explosion. Father, the Lord says great power, great anointing is going to begin to rise up from the fire in those
0: places. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't want to have anything to do with fire or explosions because the when the Bible talks about fire for you know that's that's usually not a good thing. That's really bad. It conjures up things like hell and stuff like that.
3: Turn, lay your hands on some...
0: Now, this is Chuck Pierce.
3: Somebody say there's fire in that hole, in that wound that the enemy brought. There's fire coming out of your wound.
0: There's fire coming out... sounds painful. If there's fire coming out of your wound, you might want to go to the doctor and get that looked at.
3: There's... We thank you for this word this morning. I'm going to tell you, God's speaking this to us this morning. He's saying this. There have been great woundings in this past season for you to get to where you are today.
0: Uh huh. So, yeah, where you are today is because of great woundings in past seasons. No idea what that means. Now look at
3: somebody and say, but you've got to remember you got here.
0: Okay, yeah. Yeah, notice this is apparently Chuck Pierce is saying this is what the Lord wanted them to hear that morning. I find it very difficult to believe that God, the Holy Spirit, would want any Christian on any given Sunday morning to hear this nonsense, above and be you know over and above you know a clear teaching from His Word that you know the Bible. Yeah, because this doesn't make any sense. We continue.
3: I just heard the Lord say, "Take an about face." Really, what did He sound like when He said that? The Lord says, "Don't keep looking back at that wound uh-huh. from the bruising and the pain of it, but take an about face and look at the fire that is gonna come out of your wound."
0: For- okay, so don't look backwards and do an about. Fa- uh, you gotta do an about face and look at the fire that's gonna come out of your wound. Again, seriously, if you if you're suffering from fire wound, um, you y- you definitely want to go to your local, you know, um emergency room um you know maybe one of those uh those clinics that they have set up for people who've hurt them you know kind of like the mini ERs yeah if you're suffering from fire wound in fact what you might want to do is go out and get a um you know some put baking soda on it to put the fire out first now i'm not sure what kind of fire that is, if you're because you know, there's electrical fire, there's grease fires, there's you know, your standard combustion. So, I don't know what kind of fire extinguisher you're going to need. So, what you're probably going to need to do. It, it, to protect yourself from any future fire wounds that you might uh, be suffering from is make sure to get the right extinguisher. Uh, so you want to get one of those extinguishers that can handle multiple different fire types, electrical, grease, you know standard combustion, all that kind of stuff so that um, that when you put out the fire on your wound prior to heading to the emergency room, you know because here's the deal. I mean you don't know if that fire is gonna spread. And so, I mean, the last thing you need is, you know, that if you have a wound and you got fire jetting out of it, you know, after the fire and the whole explosion thing, um, yeah, you, you got to be careful that you're wearing flame-retardant clothing. Uh, keep your hair closely cropped. Keep that – because hair, you don't want to get the – uh, and then pray that your fire wound like isn't in the back of your neck because then your hair would catch on fire and you'd do a whole Michael Jackson thing, and that would be bad, you know?
3: I'm bringing my fire into you, and that hole that was dug by the enemy, that hole that was hit, and that hole that tried to wound you and weaken you, I say I will call that my fire pit this season. Okay, so
0: God's going to take your fire hole and turn it into a fire pit. Um, can you roast marshmallows over this thing?
2: I keep
0: this. Yeah, I, you know, that'd be kind of cool. I mean, God giving you a fire wound pit so that you can you know make s'mores, you know spiritual s'mores. That sounds just scrumdiddlyumptious, don't you think?
2: Picture of a person standing in there, is this, this is like a wall of flames. This
0: is Tiffany Smith. She's another worship leader. She is apparently hearing from God too.
2: All the way around them, and it's just they're consumed with fear, and uh, that they're going to be overtaken. And I heard the Lord say, "There's power in agreement. and agreement." I heard the Lord say, "Lift your eyes up." And as soon as the person looked up, and their eyes met with the Lord's, they became a flame themselves, that consumed the flame around them. And the Lord is saying. You agree with me today over every situation here
0: you know, I hope this doesn 't sound like out of bounds, but my question is is do these people actually do this without any hallucinogenic drugs, or is this actually induced by Drugs.
2: ...over every promise. Stop looking at your surroundings. Stop being so earthly-minded, so earthly-focused. You be a person of faith. Every step that you take, you lock eyes with the Lord. You become the walking flame of God on the earth.
0: Okay, walking flame. Okay, again, a lot of these fire metaphors here. It makes me uncomfortable.
2: Change your atmosphere.
3: I am telling you, the Spirit of God is on this...
0: Really? It is? What would make you think that? I mean, this doesn't look anything like what God describes church to be doing in his, in the scriptures. In fact, this sounds like the exact opposite of it. The spirit of God is on this. He's... Really? Um, no, it doesn't make any sense. So God is basically a big coherent blob in the sky.
3: Saying it to us right now. This is my glory furnace.
0: Yeah, we're gonna take over the world with a glory furnace. Um, It's weird that these folks, uh, that the center of their theology is that they're gonna somehow take over the world. I mean, it doesn't even sound like they're capable of like taking on the English language. I mean, how are they gonna take over the world? Uh, We continue.
3: This is my furnace of glory that I will create take
0: the holes. I'm <laughs> serious. If, you so, if you're got you going to church and the pastor is claiming to get a prophecy and he's pointing at you and saying, this is the furnace of glory I'm going to create, run. I mean, because the Bible only talks about the fiery furnace, which is one of the other you know, ways of describing hell. I mean – is, is this some kind of a sick trick that Satan's playing on these people, letting them know ahead of time, hey, that whole fire thing? <laughs> yeah, that wasn't God's. Well, God was kind of sort of warning you ahead of time that you're going to be going to hell.
3: That the enemy thought that he made in you, and I will build my fire pit in that hole. Right on. And- Glory furnace that causes many to be drawn into the fire this season. <laughs> whew
0: yeah! <laughs> I need a glass of ice water. Playing, that. it's getting a little warm in here. All right, there's an old lady swinging flags around on stage, just twirling in the spirit, apparently crazy.
1: And the Lord says, you'll know if you're a glory furnace, if your heart has not diminished its yearning through the fire. If you're
0: So you don't want your heart to diminish its yearning. That's bad. So you might want to put a yearning meter on your heart. Yeah. Your
1: heart has not diminished in its yearning through the fire. The Lord says, if you are one of those that have pressed through, if you are one of so those
0: that have pressed through the and your yearning meter is st- still up. That's good. If your yearning meter has gone down inside of your heart it- after you've pressed through, that's bad, you know
1: Those who have to relent. If you're one of those, you've to back up and have continued forward through the The Lord says.:
0: You know what's weird is uh, there's guys walking through handing out communion. Um, while this is going on. Whew, man.
1: Shirley, name yourself as one
0: who is... Shirley, yeah, yeah. No, you don't know what you're talking about. And stop calling me Shirley. The Glory Furnace. So there you go. That was um, all to the glory of God the, from the official Glory of Zion International Ministries channel on YouTube. Uh, there's fire in the hole. So there you go. Um, oh, man. <laughs> Again, how is it that guy is an apostle? I mean, is he the apostle of gibberish? Is he the apostle of absurdity? Is he he the apostle of nonsense? He's not the apostle of Christ. He's not an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's not an apostle of the one true God. He's He's an apostle of the burblings within his own heart, and his heart is just filled with complete and utter nonsense. That's not Christianity, and that guy's not a prophet. He ain't an apostle, and... Good night. That was just crazy. Fire in the hole, indeed. Um, if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition of uh, Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address, Talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, Or You can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash Christian. You can follow me on Twitter. My name there, Pirate Christian. We, uh, we'll be right back. If you think God is a black woman named Papa,
4: then you need to get out of the shack and read your Bible. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith.
3: You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine. now. <laughs>
2: Nobody expects a purpose-driven inquisition. Amongst our weaponry are such diverse elements as purpose, vision, ruthless relevance, and almost fanatical devotion to Rick Warren and nice Hawaiian jokes. Damn, I can't say it. You'll have to say it.
1: Uh, what?
2: You'll have to say what the bit about our chief weapons are.
0: Uh, I I couldn't do that. <clears throat> I didn't expect a kind of purpose-driven inquisition.
2: Uh, nobody uh, expects. Uh, expects no. Nobody expects the um purpose-driven
1: inquisition. Uh, I, I know, I know. Nobody expects the purpose-driven inquisition. In fact, those
3: who Their do chief
2: ex- weapons are
1: our
3: chief weapons are um purpose. Uh, uh, vision. Okay, and- okay,
2: stop, stop, that, stop that. Uh, our chief weapons are purpose. blah, 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 blah. Youth Pastor Rick, read the charges. Dude, you're like hereby charged with being divisive and not following our program. That's enough. Now, how do you plead?
0: Well, we're innocent.
2: Ha, 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 ha. we'll soon change your mind about that.
0: All right, we're back. Uh, warning, if you're going to a church that claims they have an apostle, run, flee. Otherwise, they're going to burn you in the glory furnace. There's fire in the hole. Run, run. That's a that's a sign of danger. Need to remind you all, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we do depend upon your generous gifts, financial contributions, In order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you as well as to the world, you can partner with us financially by visiting our website, FightingForTheFaith.com. When you get there, you'll see two friendly yellow buttons. One says Donate. The other says Join Our Crew. The Join Our Crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute $6.95 every month to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. And if you would like to make a one-time contribution, click on the Donate button or make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send that to post office box 508-508. Fishers, Indiana. Zip code 46038.
3: Bright light city gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul on fire.
1: Mm-mm. Got a whole lot of money that's ready to burn So get those stakes up higher
2: There's a thousand pretty women waiting out there They're all living, the devil may care And I'm just a devil with love to spare
0: So
1: viva Las Vegas That's
0: right, viva Las Vegas We're going to be doing a Vince Antonucci update From the Verve in Las Vegas
1: more than 24 hours in the day even if there
3: were 40 more, I wouldn't sleep a minute away.
2: Oh, there's blackjack and folder and the ruling wheel. A fortune won and lost on every deal. All you need is a strong and a new steel. Viva Las Vegas, Vegas,
1: yeah. Viva Las
3: Vegas.
1: Viva Las Vegas. With your- All
0: right, yeah, enough for a view, Elvis. I'm um, going to beam you back to the mothership. Anyway, uh, Vince Antonucci from his uh, blog has a a blog post entitled Standing Up, and uh, in there he recounts his first experience doing stand-up comedy. Uh, Let me read. This is Vince Antonucci writing. He says, Yesterday, I shared my first experience doing stand-up. I went on to open mic nights, and then I got hired by a real show in a casino. Okay, so let me see if I got this straight. Vince Antonucci, the so-called pastor of The Verve there in Las Vegas, decided that he was going to go to an open uh, mic night at one of the local comedy clubs. He went, he did so well, he got hired, in his own words, to do a real stand-up comedy show in a casino. Well, how did it go? Well, here's what it says. Then our show was thrown out of the casino for being too obscene. Um, what? <laughs> uh, um, Vince Antonucci's show got thrown out of a casino in Las Vegas for being too obscene. <clears throat> I see. Well, I mean, <clears throat> well, let's see what he writes about this. I mean, obviously, he felt bad, and and that you know, because as a pastor, you're supposed to be above reproach, right? I mean, that doesn't. There are scriptural patches passages that say that a uh, a pastor or an elder in a church is to be above reproach, to you know, be a model of of Christian sanctification, maturity, and 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 you know, and ob- obedience to God. But uh, uh, let me see if I got this right. So, I our show was thrown out of the casino for being too obscene. I mentioned that on this blog, and quickly received an email from a quote concerned mother. The subject line in the email read, "Mr. Comics." She wrote, quote. Mr. Uh, Antonucci, I follow your blog from time to time. I'm really confused about a couple of things. So I thought the best way to clear this up is to ask you, you are in a show performing and you get kicked out of a casino for being too raunchy. So so the show was moved to an all-nude strip club. Yeah, you love that little beat. Okay, so as I read your blog posts, I usually have a feeling that I'm listening to a man that loves Jesus, his family, and truly wants to see people saved, even in non-traditional ways. I am I am in no way a qualified minister yet. Something about this doesn't uh, doesn't seem like it will lead people to choose Jesus. What am I missing here? Okay, so that was the question from a concerned mother to Vince Anchinucci, who after, so let's like, get, this, get this right. His, he went to open mic night and uh, did well at a, at, a, at a comedy club. He got hired by a real show um, that was going to be doing a comedy thing in a casino. The casino threw them out for being too raunchy. And then the um, comedy show got moved to an all-nude strip club. And a concerned mother wrote and said, this doesn't sound right. So, Vince, here's his response. Here's the answer to the question. Well, this is a good question. Well, Here's my answer. If you want to connect with people who are far from God and help those people get connected to God, you have to go where those people are. Um, Jesus did this all the time, repeatedly going where he wasn't supposed to. For instance, Samaria, Zacchaeus's house, Matthew's party. So so I think if we're following Jesus, we have no choice. Yeah, um let me see. Um Samaria. I don't think Samaria had uh, the, the entire countryside uh was um, an all nude strip club. Zacchaeus' house, um uh yeah, uh, Jesus wasn't thrown out of Zacchaeus's house for being too raunchy. Um Things at Matthew's party, again, Jesus wasn't thrown out for being obscene and, and raunchy. Um, yes, we are to go into the world and proclaim the gospel, but that doesn't mean that we are to be the world or be of the world or mimic or imitate the world. Bible actually prohibits imitating the world. Let me let me give you the relevant passage. One that I'm sure Vince knows by heart because, well, he is a pastor, right? Um, the uh, the passage in, in uh, question is uh, from Third John verse eleven. 3 John, yeah, this is one of those small little epistles that. So yeah, I'm sure though that Pastor Antonucci knows this. Here's what uh, the the Apostle John writes in Third John verse eleven. He says, "Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God." That's right. Do not imitate evil, but imitate good. That's what the uh, the Apostle John writes. So, uh, c- correct me if I'm wrong here. Maybe I'm just being too much like the church lady uh, from Dana Carvey's old days at Saturday Night Live. But um, being part of a comedy show that got thrown out of a casino in Las Vegas for being too raunchy, and then was taken to a all nude strip club. D- correct me if that if I'm wrong. but doesn't that sound like it's imitating evil rather than. Uh, good, uh-huh. Yeah, boy, I tell you, just, you, with friends like Vince Antonucci, who needs enemies like the devil? I mean, apparently you can go and do raunchy stand-up comedy routines in strip clubs and justify it by saying Jesus would have done the same thing, even though he did nothing of the sort. Yeah, the, the biblical term for that, by the way, that that's what we call blasphemy. That's That's the right way of looking at it. All right, to round out the first hour here, um, we're going to be going to the Christian Post. Headline reads Indiana Pastor Saved Should Be Removed from Church Vocabulary. Yeah, wait till you hear this. Okay, uh, this is um, Tim Stevens, of, uh, the executive pastor of Granger Community Church, which, by the way, as far as all metrics are concerned with uh, seeker-driven and purpose-driven churches, Granger is a failed purpose-driven church. Uh, they've been Their attendance has been dipping and flattened out. They have not ex- con- experienced continued multiplication and growth. And so, um, I, yeah, I, I'm sorry, but... Uh, <sighs> these guys are failures by their own standards and metrics. I mean, and then when they took the reveal now study, oh man, that was a train wreck too. So quantitatively, numerically, as well as qualitatively, um, I think we can say that all of the all of the metrics show that Granger Community Church is a failure. But that's okay. Um, let's um, uh, let's let's find out what uh, these uh, ministry failures. Uh, at least Tim Stevens, who's on uh, staff there with the ministry failures at Granger Community Church. The the great ideas that they've come up with now, I mean, since they've already since they've you know, they're not growing their church anymore. It's flattened out, Um, you know, since, you know, qualitatively, they found out from the reveal study they weren't really making in-depth disciples at all. Um, So here's their, their their next greatest idea. Get rid of the word saved from church vocabulary. The story reads, by the way, this is written by Alex. Uh, Marashko of the uh, Christian Post. An Indiana megachurch pastor says he's annoyed at the word saved, especially when used among Christians to to describe someone who has made a commitment to follow Jesus for the rest of their lives. In one of his recent blog posts, Granger Community Church executive pastor Tim Stevens asks readers, does the word saved bother anyone else? Stevens told the Christian Post that he also has a problem with the phrase born again. Hmm. I have similar hesitations with born again, probably because it's also an insider term, Stephen uh, said. Born again from the world at large is somewhat of a misunderstood term. Stephen, also author of Pop Goes the Church Should the Church Engage uh, co- a Pop Culture, says that he often writes blog posts about what has been on his mind for a while. In some cases, it helps him seek answers from others. Quote, I've recently noticed that I'm becoming more annoyed by the word save than ever before. Not not in the I saved money use of the word, but in the christian ease con- t- context. Is Johnny saved or it's only a matter of time until Martha gets st- saved? Stevens posted in his blog, LeadingSmart.com. Christian cliché uh, doesn't sit well with him, Stevens told uh, Christian Post. He said it's important for Christians to not only live their faith, but talk about their faith in any setting, keeping in mind that some words don't make sense to non-Christians. I think that so often when we use those terms in-house, we're talking among Christians. We forget uh, where we are and at and end we forget who we are with, he said. We use those words to translate outside the Christian community when they don't mean anything to anyone or they ostracize us or set us apart when we really want to be making connections. Mm-hmm. Stevens writes that he realizes saved is a foundational word in the Christian faith, taken largely from Romans chapter 10 verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. <laughs> yeah, it, it appears in far more verses than just Romans ten thirteen. Stephen. And, and he said saved can also imply a once and for all passive event that happens to someone like they did nothing at all. And and once they get it, they're good forever. I realize that both of these things are true at their core. Jesus paid it all to all to him. I owe, but it requires me to accept the gift and to give my life to him. Hmm. Yeah. Only if you're a Pelagian heretic, you are, for, uh, Steve. You might want to do some research on this. Uh, the ancient church called what you're describing here the heresy of Pelagianism. If you're not familiar with this, go out and get a copy of the uh, ancient church fathers. Uh, Antinican fathers are. Uh, post nicene fathers uh, get uh, get the works of Augustine versus Pelagius and, and in that in that volume the first volume that, that, that deals with Augustine uh, versus Pelagius there is a fantastic article written by the late great uh, reform scholar Benjamin Warfield of Princeton yeah that article is worth its weight in gold and uh, strongly recommend that you read it because uh, you're showing here that you really don't understand that people are are by nature dead in trespasses and sins. You see, the reason why Tim Stevens spends so much time thing we need to employ pop culture and stuff like that is because he actually is under the misguided notion that we've got to make the gospel appealing. And the reason why he wants to get rid of the terminology like saved and born again is because when you're talking to a non-believer, those... (laughs) they they don't understand what those christian words mean and then again um non believers don't understand what the lord's supper is they don't understand the concept of baptism sanctification the uh, the doctrine of the trinity uh they don't understand any of that stuff at all do they yeah, see, the go- the job of the Christian is to go into the world and proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins. But see, Romans ten seventeen says this: Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Faith is a gift given by God the Holy Spirit. The reason why Tim Stevens is so concerned that we get rid of the word saved, that we get rid of the word born again, because it's going to make us look stupid, and we've got to make connections with people in the world, and that kind of language is going to put them off. No, 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 Tim, they're already put off. You you don't get it. Okay, let me read to you some passages. Are you ready? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Paul, writing to the churches in Ephesus, says this about them before they were Christians. And you, you were dead, D-E-A-D, you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now, we continue. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he, God, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and he, God, raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us. Here's, the, here's another part of this. For by grace you have been saved through faith, And this is not of your own doing. What is not of your own doing? Okay? What is not of your own doing? It is the gift of God. What is the gift of God in this passage? It's plain and simple. Faith and grace are the gift of God. The whole salvation thing. It is the gift of God. It's not of your own doing. You are not saved by your decision to be a Jesus follower. God has to raise you from the dead. That's why in Christian systematic theologies, good ones, you will see a section in there that deals with what's called the doctrine of regeneration, okay? Because by nature, every human being descended from Adam and Eve is dead, D-E-A-D, in trespasses and sins, dead. Dead people can't do nothing, Plain and simple. This is what the scriptures teach. By the way, there's more to it than this. Um, If you have your Bible, flip on over to the Gospel of John chapter 1. I'd like to read for you a passage that makes it clear that it is not by our decision that we become Christians. It's not. It's the decision of God. It's his powerful working. Here we go. John chapter 1 verse 9. Yeah, this verse makes it clear you're not born again by your decision, by your will. You're born of God. God has to regenerate you. God has to rebirth you. That's why Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. That's from the Gospel of John, chapter 6. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws draws him and the greek word for draws there by the way is the greek word helkuo helkuo has as its understanding that it is a drawing or a pulling of an object which is incapable of movement on its own or will not move okay for instance if you're going to pull or drag a statue you take some ropes you throw it around it and you and your buddies you helkuo that statue, that statue, even though it might be a statue of a human being and has legs, can't walk can 't move, can't do nothing, it has to be dragged into place, and that 's the very language that Jesus uses in John chapter six. Jesus said, "No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him so here 's the deal, okay plain and simple, the reason why the folks at Granger and other seeker-driven, uh, uh, so-called mega churches don't get it. Is because functionally and theologically, they are Pelagian heretics. They are on the misguided notion that somehow we can make the gospel appealing to people. That somehow that the problem is is that we as Christians have insulted these people so much and have got. This stuff that just offends people, if we would just get rid of the offensiveness of our language, our terminologies, our concepts, our ideas, and we made the gospel appealing by embracing pop culture, then people would want to make decisions for Jesus. That turns Christian theology on its head. Again, go and get Philip Schaff's writings on the ancient church fathers and read the volume Augustine against Pelagius. This is a heresy. This is a heresy. We are dead in trespasses and sins. God has to draw us. God has to regenerate us. And we have to be born again. And it is God who does the drawing. God who does the regenerating. God who gives us faith. God who gives us repentance. And God who raises us from the dead and gives us life in Christ so that in Christ we are a new creation. So here's the deal. You don't need to make the gospel, quote, appealing. It's going to be offensive, period, to a whole world of sinners who are at war with God. What does Romans say? You know, if you got your Bible, flip on over to Romans chapter 3. Here's what he says. He says, are, uh, verse 9, are, are what then? Are we Jews any better off? Well, no, not at all. For we have already charged that all, all, both Jews and Greeks, all are under sin, as it is written None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. By the way, Romans chapter 3 verse 11 says, no one understands and no one, no one seeks for God. Nobody. And that's quoting Psalm chapter 14. So the whole seeker-driven methodology is built off of a heresy. It's the ancient heresy known as Pelagianism. And the reality is, is that no one seeks God. So how then are we to do evangelism? It's real simple. What does what Romans 10:17 say? Faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of Christ, you do what the apostles did. You go out into a hostile world full of pagan sinners who are dead in trespasses and sins at war with God, who are not seeking for God. And you preach Christ and him crucified for our sins. You tell them that God's law condemns every one of them because every single one of them has transgressed the holy law of God. They have sinned against him in thought, word, and deed. They have not loved God with their whole heart. They have not loved their neighbor as themselves. They are full of murder, adultery, stealing, theft, idolatry, covetousness, and they are dishonoring their parents. You tell them because of these things, God's wrath is soon to be revealed into the world. And if they do not repent, they will perish into the eternal fire. And then you tell them, but Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, the son of God took on human flesh and he lived a perfectly righteous life. Under God's law, he kept the law perfectly for you and for me. And when he went to the cross, your sins and mine were laid on him. And he atoned for our sins. He propitiated the wrath of God. He redeemed us. By his stripes, we were healed. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the punishment that was upon him that brings us peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. You preach that and you know what's going to happen? God, the Holy Spirit, is going to take a dead sinner, a dead sinner who doesn't want to have anything to do with God, doesn't want to, doesn't care about the word Trinity, the word saved, the word sanctification, the word baptism. Doesn't c- could care less for any about about that stuff. God, the Holy Spirit, through the preaching of that gospel, is going to regenerate that person, cause them to be born again, draw drop them to their knees in repentance, where they plead and beg for God's mercy, and we are to tell them that God is merciful, God does forgive them, and that what we've just seen when that happens. Somebody who's been born again, who's been born of God, not by a human decision, but has been literally born again and made anew by God. You don't need pop culture. You need the word of God. You don't need to put away your Christian language. You need to use it more. And if people are asking questions, what do those words mean? You take them to the scriptures and you let God's word draw them. You let God's word regenerate them. You let God's word do the work. The reason why the seeker-driven churches are an abysmal mess that they are, they're so shallow and so thin, is because they have got the wrong theology, and their assumptions are 180 degrees backwards. We don't need to embrace pop culture. We need to preach Christ and him crucified for our sins. That is the only hope that we have, and that's the message that we've been given. All of that other stuff is a distraction from the truth. And the reason why Tim Stevens and these other seeker-driven guys are constantly telling us over and over and over again, despite the fact that they are abject failures— That we need to put away the Christian language that they're sick and tired of terms like saved and born again is because they don't understand the scriptures and they are embracing a heresy. They need to repent of their Pelagianism and get back to doing their job and they'll find out they don't need the rock and roll band. They don't need the fun and games. They don't need the big screens and all the other Entertainment and all the other stuff that they do. They need God's word, a bold proclamation of Christ and him crucified for our sins. They need some bread, they need some wine, and they need some people who will sit and listen and feed on God's word. All right. We are up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything that you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of <laughs> Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address, talkback at or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Or you can follow me on Twitter, my name there, Pirate Christian. We'll be right back.
4: Shmellivans, we preach Christ crucified for our sins. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith.
0: Keep more of your money in your pocket. Hi, Chris Rosebro here. If you're planning to travel anytime in the near future, then don't pay more for airfare, hotel rooms, or rental cars than you need to. Longtime Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheapo Air can save you a Tijuana taxi load of money on all of your travel needs. Plus, Cheapo Air has a seasonal promotional code for all of our listeners that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheapo Air's already low Prices. Visit Pirate Christian com forward slash cheap. Write down the promo code and then click on the banner and then book your travel today. Again, that's Pirate Christian com forward slash cheap. All right, we're back. Hour number two, Fighting for the Faith, Sermon Review Time. Now this is from a church that i just added to my podcast list, but the, this isn't the head pastor. just want to let you all know that. This is um, a um, guest pastor, but somebody who is well-known in the seeker-driven movement. Let's cue up the music first, and then we'll talk about it here in a second. The good, the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith, Word, an Equal Opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us via Church of the Highlands, Birmingham, Alabama. Today's sermon is preached by Dino Rizzo. It's from the sermon series entitled Life Story. This one, uh, this sermon from that ser- series is entitled Show and Tell life story. Hmm. Now, by the way, when you read the New Testament, um, whose story gets told? Mm, Yeah, Jesus' story. In fact, um, if if you own a copy of the Nicene Creed, I'd like to read... Uh, A portion of the Nicene Creed to you. Not the whole thing, but just a piece of it. So that uh, you can see, you know, the ancient church, whose life story they were obsessed with telling. Yours, mine? No, not at all. In fact, let me just kill the music here. Uh, From the Nicene Creed. In fact, let me just start with the whole thing. Uh, I believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. Hmm. Of the Virgin Mary and was made man, was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried on the third day. He rose again according to the scriptures, and he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge, both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. Yeah, you see, here's the deal. Um, the New Testament uh, tells the story of Jesus, and according to Jesus, uh, the entire Old Testament's actually written about him too. The story is all about God's story. Um yeah so here's the thing in in this the story that's told in the scripture you play the role of the person who's taken the side of the villain satan and god has has done all of these things his story about what he's doing to save you a wretched and miserable rebellious sinner who is sided with satan um so that's the way the story should be told but uh, let, let's see how dino dino Rizzo tells the story from the um, sermon entitled, Show and Tell from the Sermon Series Real Story. Here we go. Pastor Dino Rizzo.
4: What's up? Uh, Hey. That's great. What an honor it is to be here at Church of the Highlands. It is one of my favorite places on the planet to be able to come and spend some time together with this great church. And, of course, the team here, just a great leadership team. I, I just love this church. And second to Baton Rouge, this is where we enjoy coming to and spend a little time and just being a part of what God is doing. Brought our family with us. We spent some time here in the city enjoying ourselves yesterday. And I, probably one of the one of the, the, the big honors uh, that I, I count my life as being able to serve as an overseer here at Church of the Highlands. And uh, it gives you an opportunity to witness um, kind of behind the scenes as well as what's happened here at all the campuses literally around the world, the miracle that God has done from this house, in this house, and from this house. And then also the other thing I love is you get to see the integrity uh, from behind the scenes in the, in, in the small ways of what God is doing uh, through your pastor and through the leadership team here. I can say this with all honesty and with a complete pure heart that you are in a very healthy house. You're in a house that cares about the poor. You're in a house that cares about things that God cares about. I think it's healthy to be able to let your pastor recharge his batteries a little bit. And uh, just a great church. And when I think about Church of the Highlands, not only what you're doing here regionally through your generosity. That's the word that comes to mind is your generosity. What you're doing with the Dream Center here as well as helping to plant churches. This has become a model church. And some of the things that God has put in your pastor's heart uh, to be able to help churches get planted. And he helps us lead uh, ARC as it relates to planting churches and, and just reaching out to all kinds of people across the globe and, and here in the United States, planting almost 200 churches. And then also the leadership team. The other thing you think about when you, when you think about Church of Hines is leadership. God has gifted your pastors a great leader. I believe he's one of the great leaders uh, today. Why don't we clap our hands for Pastor Chris. I know he's not here, but boy, we thank God for him. I know what he does for us as a church. He helps provide leadership to us as a church. Because let me tell you something, down in South Louisiana, we need a whole lot of leadership. Lord, have mercy. We've got some crazy people down in South. uh, So So far, he's only
0: talking about, well, them, not Jesus. Let's see what he does here.
4: He helps us lead. And then we've experienced your generosity through so many things that we've walked through. Even this past year, you sowed a gift into our church so that we could reach more people, make a difference. So I thank God for your generosity and look forward to what God is going to continue to do here. I believe the best is yet to come. Uh, I watched it, especially just recently, uh, in your own community here. And Lane and I were talking every day about you responding to the tornadoes here in this area, in the Tuscaloosa, and on and on. And I was just so proud. You jumped right in that, got your hands dirty, got with people, reaching out to people. just responded to tens of thousands of people And uh, I I know you're going to continue to do that. So I was so proud of you as a church. And I know that's your heart to help people make a difference. So it's a great day to be alive. I love Memorial Day weekend. Some of you maybe get off tomorrow. But more importantly, we do honor those who paid a great price. It it makes you think about uh, what God has done in America. and makes you think about the military families and those who serve. Yeah, you know what's weird is this is supposed to be a sermon,
0: Dino. Um, The job of the pastor is not to preach himself. You ever fam- you're familiar with that passage in one, of, in one of Paul's letters to the Corinthians, we don't preach ourselves, but Christ and him crucified. Yeah, could you get to like the job of what a pastor is supposed to do? I mean, I understand you're an overseer there at that church, uh, which means that your, your job is to open up the Bible. Can you get to it, please?
4: And So it is a great weekend to be alive. So honored to be a part of, of Church of the Highlands. But Pastor Chris invited me here this weekend. It didn't take long to say, yes. Of course, yes. Amen, Jesus. Amen, yes. Yes, it was quick Um, because I got to be here. And then uh, when he told me that I could be a part of the series, Life Story, I got fired up because I believe that God is writing an incredible story. I believe you and I, until we understand that our story is a part of a greater story. Until you and I understand that our story is a part of a a, a much larger story, sometimes our story will make no sense. Now, now he's right here. I I want you to understand what he's saying is
0: absolutely true. That being case, the question is, what is the story that's been written? Where do we fit into the story? Okay, the answer to these questions is real simple From from the Bible perspective. Adam and Eve, our first parents, rebelled against God and disobeyed him and fell into sin. Every human being descended from them is a natural-born sinner, dead in trespasses and sins. But God, in the Garden of Eden, promised a one who would come, a seed of the woman, who would come and destroy the head of the serpent and get his heel bruised in the process, one who would conquer definitively, The devil and uh, and set us free from bondage to sin, death, and the devil. That's Jesus Christ. The whole story of the Bible's about him. The families that we follow in the Bible that that lineage that's the lineage of the Messiah. You can follow the scarlet letter, uh, you know the scar not scarlet uh, the scarlet thread, the red blood, crimson scarlet thread of the ancient world of this particular family of the uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. All you know, Judah, all, you know, all the way down to Jesus Christ. That's following his line to co- point us to the one who came to earth as our substitute, died and rose again, was suffered and was buried, was crucified under Pontius Pilate for our sins. And he has risen victorious from the grave uh, after his propitiatory sacrifice on the cross for our sins and he's calling all men everywhere to repent and given us the job of announcing the pardon that was won by Christ and that God is saying, lay down your arms, be forgiven. Christ has paid the price for your sins. He's been punished in your place. God is offering a full and complete pardon, full reconciliation with God, all by what he has done for us. Repent and believe this good news. See, in the story, you play the the role of the the one who sided with the devil. You are by nature, as a result of Adam and Eve's sin, a child of Satan. It's kind of a descriptive word there. That's Jesus's phrase. Um, Yeah, you've sided with the enemy and Jesus is saying, that's all right. I'm going to forgive you because I bled and died for your rebellion. Repent and be forgiven. That's the story. That's, how we find, that's where we find ourselves in the story. That's the story. Let's see if that's the story he tells.
4: And I believe throughout Scripture, we can understand that you and I can be a part of the greatest story ever told, the greatest story that ever happened, and then it helps bring clarity and definition to the story and the pages and the chapters that are happening in our life. And I want to talk about that a little bit because I really believe God has spoke something to my heart about encouraging you and I challenge He did what? He spoke something to your
0: heart. Yeah, that's another one of those phrases. If your pastor's talking that way, run. Really, you're not supposed to preach what supposedly God's spoken to your heart. Your heart doesn't have ears. Um, sir, um, yeah, yeah, you know, no, 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 no. You're supposed to preach the word, not, not something that you think that you might have intercepted via some antennas that your heart might have.
4: ...you and I to show and tell the story that God has done in our life.
0: And I believe he's done... Uh, what? Show and tell the story that God has done in, in my life? No, 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 no. We're supposed to tell the story of Jesus,
4: his life, not my life. His life. Yeah, you got this backwards. And I believe he's done something great in your life. So let's talk about that. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for this fantastic church. And Lord, I thank you for Pastors Chris and Tammy and their family. Lord, they've inspired so many. And Lord, I know personally they've made a a difference in our life as a family. And Lord, I thank you, Father. It's an honor to be able to serve and see the integrity, see the generosity. Lord, to just see that, that this house is about the Father's heart. And it has the Father's heart. And so, Lord, I pray that today, God, you would speak to us. Lord, we pray that you would be here and you would make the difference. Thank you for our time of worship. Lord, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, and everybody said a good amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, Happy Memorial Day. Come on, look at that person you didn't want to talk to. Tell them, I'm glad you made it to church. You need a little church. If you have your Bibles... Talking about show and tell, show and tell. I want you to turn to the book of John, John chapter 19. It's the fourth book of the New Testament. About midway through your Bible, you'll find the New Testament. Find Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Then we're going to also look at the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, John chapter 19. This is where Jesus is on the cross and he has these sayings on the cross. But then the last thing he says is very significant, especially as it relates to life story and the story that we're a part of. John chapter 19, verse 28, later knowing that all was now completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Two important words, completed and fulfilled. Jesus said, I am thirsty. One of the last things Jesus says on the cross. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked the sponge in it, and they took the sponge, put it on a stalk, a hyssop plant, and they, they, the Bible says they lifted it up to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus utters his last words. He said, it is finished. Of the, of the mouth of the Son of God, it is finished. The earlier scriptures, that we saw that it was completed. It was fulfilled. The Bible says, with that,
0: what was finished? I mean here you're going to start off by taking us to John's account of Jesus's crucifixion. I mean this is the ultimate thing. This is the the most significant piece of the entire Bible. What's finished? What did God do? Who is Jesus Christ?
4: Why was he on the cross? What's all that about? He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. There's a lot of phrases in scripture that I love. There's a lot of words that I love. But in my life, I don't know if there's three more important words that I've discovered as it relates to the story that I'm a part of and wanting to do my best with the the pages that God has given me, the time that I have. It's those three words. It is finished. It is finished. When Jesus uttered that, when he spoke that, finished finished, finished. In the Greek, that word means means completed. It means paid in full. It means accomplished. Jesus said it is accomplished. The will of the Father is accomplished. It means it is done. It is done. And what was the
0: will of the Father? When Jesus shouts out from the cross to tell us die, it is finished. What was finished? Notice the finality of the statement. It's finished. Whatever it is that Jesus was doing, it was done. It, it accomplished mission accomplished. It was fi- what was it he was doing?
4: Hmm? Do you know that Jesus, when he entered the human story, when he entered the human struggle, he did exactly what the Father wanted him to do. He finished the salvation story. He completed the redemption plan he he paid in full the price that needed to be paid he he came in and 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 and, and said it is done it is it is finished that 's what Christ did for us and, and what it tells us is that you and I are a part of this fantastic story this uh, wait,
0: wait, wait, wait a second here um how how many years ago did Jesus shout out It is finished um close to 2000 years ago um I wasn't there you weren't there um yeah none of the people listening to this program were there so Jesus accomplished all of this finished the story if you would um long before you and I were even on the earth so um yeah I'm not part of the story um in, in, you know, I mean, remember, it's finished. It's done. You need to tell Jesus' story. My story is insignificant because I was part of the rebel forces against God. Christ died for my sins, and he accomplished that. It's done. It's finished. How is it that you're able in one breath to talk about Jesus, she's shouting out, it's finished. And then somehow in the same breath, without even exhaling or inhaling again, uh, turn around and start talking about me and you. I wasn't there. You weren't there. This isn't our story. It's Jesus' story for
4: us. This finished story that our life gets to be a part of that, and we begin to understand our life. So, because so many people don't understand what's happening in their life, and I've talked to so many people on a daily basis of, of trying to figure out what does life mean and where am I headed, and, and is there more to this, and how do I finish strong, and how do I make a difference?
0: What on earth does that have to do with Christ on the cross shouting out it's finished? It's like you're, you've completely missed the point. That's the good news.
4: Preach that. Dig into the depths of that. Friend, sir, how do I get healing? How do I find forgiveness? How do I erase some of the pages that have gone on? How do, I, how do I begin a new chapter? How do I start
0: over? You need to get out of the way. This Move aside. Let's hear the story of what Jesus did. Get out of the way. All of that stuff is foreign. It's
4: a distraction from what Christ has done. How do I have a fresh start? And I believe one of the ways that we discover that is when we realize that our story is a part of this greater story. That our story can be a part of the finished work. And it changes. How can my
0: story be part of the finished work? If it's finished, how can I add anything to it? Hmm?
4: It us. It will call for a response. It will call for a life lived and a story to be told. And you know, this story is just not to be admired. It's to be activated in our life, in our marriage, in our home. What? I, uh, it's to be active. You got any
0: verses that talk about activating Jesus's finished work on the cross in our marriage or in our life or anything else? Where'd you get this theology from?
4: On our campus and in the things that we walk through, it's to be activated. See, Jesus... Teaches that you and I have a part to play. All scripture. I already
0: explained to you the part we play, according to Scripture, is the part of those who've sided with the devil, who those who are dead in trespasses and sins, those who Christ died for in in while we were still sinners. What are you talking about?
4: The Bible teaches that you and I can can
0: be a part of this. We can really. Where in the Bible does it say we can be a part of that? Because when I read the Bible, I'm not in there, except for you know, in the great mass of humanity that rebelled and sinned against God, that Christ died for. The story is all about Christ. Why aren't you telling His story?
4: We can embrace this, that it can impact our life, and then you and I. Matter of fact, even tells us this in Corinthians that we also are a part of the story, that we're like a book, we're like an epistle that's read by other people. And, and it's being written on the, on the pages of our heart. So Jesus calls us to be a part of this finished story. We so well, what's my role? How do I lock into that? Well, I love what the Bible teaches in Matthew chapter 5. You have your Bible, you turn to Matthew chapter 5, what kind of camp out there? Matthew chapter 5, this is the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is unpacking truth after truth. And he's given instruction. And I believe in Matthew chapter 5, it helps you and I, and it challenges you and I to understand what we're to be in this story, what we're to respond to in this fantastic story that God has brought us into. Jesus is teaching, he says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You are the salt. Everybody say salt. You are the salt of the earth. You you are the salt. He calls us salt. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything. Uh, wh- uh,
0: wh- what is it that makes us salty? Hmm? Christ, the message of the gospel. By the way, that per- the verse that he was referring to in Second uh, Corinthians, let's read that thing in context. It's, I mean, apparently... He's thinking that this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 means that our stories are, we get to have our story thrown into Jesus' story. Yeah, that's not what the passage says, by the way. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 uh, We are beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? Yeah, Paul here is talking against the super apostles. He says, You yourselves are. Are our letter of recommendation that are written on our hearts to be known and read by all, and you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. But our sufficiency is from God who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses's face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the spirit have even more glory? For if there is glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Paul is not saying here that our stories get you know, grafted into Jesus' story in such a way that we focus on our stories, like our story is somehow the gospel. It's not.
4: Except to be thrown out and trampled by men. And then he says this. You are the light. Everybody say light. Salt, light, salt, light. You are the light. You are the salt. You're the light. You're the salt. You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Look what he says you do with the light. Instead, you put it up on a stand And it gives light to everyone in the house. He says, that's what we're to be. You're to be salt and you're to be light. That gives light. Verse 16 is a key verse as it relates to discovering purpose and plan, identity. It tells us a little bit about that. It says, in the same way, let your light. So he talks about being a light. And then since you're a light, then let your light shine before men. That they may see your good deeds. And by seeing your good deeds, by seeing the light of your story, by opening up the pages of what God has done in your life, you may be far from God and you may be in a place you say, you know, I, you know I, I've ruined some chapters. But when you begin to lean into God, you begin to look to Christ and, 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 and that light is there. And then that light begins to shine there in your life and you allow that light to shine to others then the Bible says not that everybody sees you and is like, woo you're so amazing. Yay, yay, yay. Me, 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 me. It's all you, it's all you. It doesn't say that. It says that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That your story, your life, your gift, your talent, your contribution, the miles that you've acquired in your life, it turns people to see the greater story. Your story becomes a part of the bigger story, the greatest story ever told.
0: Okay, now I'm going to point something out here. This is off by degrees, not by category. And what I mean by that is, is that the emphasis is overstressed on us, but there are biblical passages that teach this concept. Let me give you an example of this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 says this, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, no crude joking. I think that uh, Vince Antonucci ought to read this. Um, Which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral, impure, who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. That's important. Okay. Remember our uh, yesterday I was talking about Scripture interpreting Scripture. So where you have a teaching taught, if you have the same subject being addressed slightly differently, those verses can come together so that what you're dealing with there is you're seeing how uh, the same topic is handled slightly differently so that you can get the idea here. So here's the idea. This idea that Jesus says, you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth, let your good works shine before men so that they may give glory to your Father in heaven. Absolutely true. But again, here's the idea. What Dino Rizzo here is that the the, the problem that he's making here is that he's overemphasizing our good works. He starts with the cross and then goes immediately to us and makes this idea that somehow our lives are the gospel. They're not our good works give testimony to the fact that we've been brought to repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus name that we are regenerated that we are reborn that we have a new nature that we strive to um you know to love God and love our neighbor because this is what we've been given to do in our new nature but see the, here's the deal so this verse here in Ephesians chapter 5 that says Verse 8, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light, not of yourselves, but you are light in the Lord. Because Jesus himself is the light of the world, and we are in him. You get to see the difference? The idea there is, is that if you're going to correctly teach this doctrine of letting our lights shine, that has to be grounded in the clear understanding that Jesus Christ not me not you truly is the light of the world and that we are only the light of the world in so far as we are in Christ okay so the light that shines before men is not our light but his light okay how is salt made salty well in this particular case we are the salt of the earth in that we are proclaiming the gospel of jesus christ we are the light of the world insofar as we are in christ and it's his light that's shining to the world that good works giving testimony to god the father and uh and that something is going on in our life but that is all pointing to the story our lives are not the story and for good reason because this side of christ's return We still have to wrestle with and struggle with our sinful nature that wars against the new nature that we have in Christ. So the reality is, is that if I'm the good news, oh, man, people are going to be damned. That's all I can say, because you hang out with me for about 60 seconds. That's all it's going to take. After 60 seconds, you're going to be convinced, who that Roseboro guy, man, he's a sinner. (laughs) And to which I would say, yeah, duh. And after spending 60 seconds with you, I'm going to go, whew, man, that person's a sinner. Right. We're not the good news. And so the idea is, is that Christ is the light of the world and our light shines before men because we are in Christ, this is what Ephesians says. So, what Dino here, the the error that he's making, it's not that the category doesn't exist scripturally. It's that he's he's overly emphasizing us and and de-emphasizing Christ to the point where our stories are somehow becoming the gospel when they're not. You got it. Let's continue.
4: We get to share that. When you think about salt and light, now I know a little bit about salt. I'm from South Louisiana. We are addicted to sodium. We're all about salt. I got a good friend in Minnesota, Rob Caroling. He's one of the art. Pass- Minnesota. I go up to Minnesota to just go out to eat. We eat some pot roast and some potatoes, some other Minnesota foods. And I've been several times. I now bring my own Louisiana hot sauce. I bring Tony Schiesser. Just pay out. Why? Because it, salt, it purifies. And what else does salt do? It adds flavor. Flavor, flay. What's another word for flavor? Radiance. What does salt do? Bam! Puts a little bam on it. Ooh, salt, this thing needs, what do you say? It needs something. What does it need? It needs some salt. Da, 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 da. That's what you do. That's what we do down here in the South. And the Bible says that you and I are salt. In this story, in this plan, in this God idea that we are so privileged and humbled to be a part of here at Church of the Highlands. He says, I want you to be salt, add some flavor, add some radiance to the world that we live in. Because, you know, we live in a world that's getting dark.
0: Uh, getting dark well I just read from Ephesians chapter five that if we're not in Christ, we're darkness. in fact, John starts off this whole you know his gospel with this whole interplay between light and darkness let me let me read that if you have your, your uh, Bible, open up to the Gospel of John chapter one here's what it says: in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. No sin play between light and darkness. By nature, we're all dead in trespasses and sins. And as the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians, he said, Verse 8, at one time you were darkness. It's not that the world is getting dark. It's that it already is in utter darkness because of our sin and rebellion. Let me continue. Verse 9, sorry, verse 6, there was a man sent by God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. John the, the John the Baptist wasn't the light but Jesus is the light light Jesus is the light Jesus is the light and our light shine in that we are in Christ that's what the apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 again the problem here is the overemphasis on us so much so that it's uh, it's uh, to give you a, a, something you can hang on to here John the Baptist talks about Christ and he says Jesus must increase and John the Baptist must decrease. That's kind of a paraphrase, but it's the, he must increase, I must decrease. That's what John the Baptist said about Jesus. This, the way Dino Rizzo is telling the story, Jesus must decrease and we must increase. That's the way he's telling the story so that we, apparently we're the light completely outside of Christ, all by our good works and people telling people our story. Oh, boy.
4: Then he says, you're to be light. 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 You know, light, uh, of course, uh, gives God's people. I love my app on my phone. It's amazing how phones do everything now. I have a flashlight app on my phone. So now that I'm old, I get up more in the night and just work with me. And uh, it's it's a flashlight. And then what what else does light do? Light, heat, it warms. My wife loves a fire. She loves getting by a fire. They build fires like in July. I mean, so I'm like, ah, it's hot. She loves getting by a fire, standing by. Woo, I'm on the other side of the house. I can't take it. Light, salt and light, salt and light. That's what he's called us to be. That's a, that's, that's a role. That's a responsibility of this story that we're writing. Is salt and light. I heard a missionary say this one time, impacted my life. He said this, there can be no such thing as secret discipleship. Secrecy will destroy the disciple. Let the disciple destroy the secrecy. A person of faith is to be visible and vocal because the grace story demands it. The grace story demands it. At the end of the day, I believe God is, he delights in you and I being a part of showing and telling the great story of God. That's alive in our own life. No,
0: no, no. That's written in his word. That's already accomplished. That's why the Nicene Creed tells everything about what Jesus has done. You're confusing your story with the gospel. Your story isn't the gospel.
4: You know, I was growing up. Uh, I, I had a speech problem, stuttering problem, up until gosh, my middle school years. And, and so we, we had a speech problem, stuttered, couldn't say certain words. And uh, so back in those days, back in the 70s, you went to resource. There was not a lot of sensitivity and not a lot of mainstreaming. So because I had a speech problem, you just went to resource class. So from my earliest... Memory. I remember going to resource on up to 7th, 8th, and ninth grade of just being in that environment. And back in those days, there was not a lot of sensitivity where they'd say, okay, you know, they just go on the loudspeaker. Yeah, uh, you go to the homeroom. After all, yeah, can you send the resource kids on down here? By... And that was my world. And, and, and back in the, I mean, I'm in resource. I didn't have much game. I mean, I just didn't have it going on like I do now. Uh, I'm just joking it's a joke it's for my wife she's not here but anyway and so I mean you just get up in front of everybody like So yeah, get on down here let's get those resource kids on down and see if they can find it you know just uh, okay.
0: notice he's telling his story not the story of Christ
4: for real and so I get up and just kind of what's up <laughs> Going to resource and so you got kind of cast into that I mean on the playground you just you just didn't have much going on you just were that was your world and, uh, and so, you know, there would be only be a few things I could excel in because, you know, you just got... Uh, to be honest, I felt a little held down, a little made fun of at times. But uh, so, you know, I excelled in, like, recess. I, I had a strong PE. I, I did good there. And so let me tell you something. I was good at show and tell. And some of you did things like calculus and physics and stuff like that. But there's this this course called Show and Tell that's pretty amazing. And I kind of... I really stretched my legs there. And I uh, you know, feel for some of you who did it in other. Things like that, like chemistry or stuff like that. But anyway, so end of the year, fifth, sixth grade, we're doing show and tell. I don't have much game, so I was excited about it. Could maybe get me a little bit of a rep and uh, maybe make some people like me. Um, and so I, I, they, they passed a list. G.I. Joe. I got a cool G.I. Joe. I'm bringing it to show. Tell what you do is you bring something from home. You got this is my Barbie doll or this is my... I didn't have a Barbie doll. I'm just saying. Uh <laughs> Yeah, this is my tire. He's brought stuff and talked about it. It was pretty cool. i all touch it and while passing around So You know, he's, so I I wrote GI Joe. There's a few people after me, and, and the rules were if you sign something, then nobody else really did it too. I mean, it was, you don't one up the other person or try to you know get up on their stuff. You just stay on your individual deal. So I, the the day before I do show and tell, the, the guy after me he jumps the line and he does show and tell and he brings a GI Joe. I've already signed a G.I. Joe. You saw me sign G.I. Joe. But he he brings one. So uh, everybody's like, you know, Bobby's got a G.I. Joe. I was going to sign it. So he brings, he gets up for the class, end of the day. Here's my G.I. Joe. It's in a box. It's like a a collector's edition. This is my G.I. Joe. He's looking at me. It's a collector's edition. (laughs) Why you gotta hate on the resource, man? Why you gotta do me like that? (laughs) That's all I got.
0: Notice again, he's telling. His story, not the story of Christ. Hmm.
4: It's my GI Joe. It's a scuba GI Joe. mean, scuba. It's had like a spear gun and like some flippers and a goggle and breathing it was so cool GI have never been open for it. it's a collector's item it's a limited edition and nobody's got one like in the whole world and it's like worth a billion dollars it's a gi joe in a box and so i was like now i'm
0: gonna read a verse for you that uh, actually a section from the scriptures that makes it clear that we don't preach ourselves we, we aren't the gospel let me give you an example this is proof positive that he's not rightly handling God's word the way he's um, overemphasizing us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting at verse 1, it says this, Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But... By the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but... Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servant for Jesus sake, for God, who said, "Let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of Christ in the face of Jesus Christ, so again, again, the idea here is is that there is a category in which we can say that we are shining lights, okay. But here, notice how Paul takes light and the gospel and separates it to make it clear that we don't preach ourselves, but Christ as Lord. And that God said, let light shine out of the darkness and is shown into our hearts through the gospel, not his story. So Dino here, like many, many, many uh, people in the church today, mistakenly thinks his story is the gospel, and that's why he's telling his story here, because his story just illustrates this idea that he's shining light here and that, that our stories somehow are the gospel. They're not. We don't preach ourselves, but that's who Dino's preaching right now himself.
4: Oh, and so at the end, you pass. Normally, most people would pass their thing around. You get, Low,ow,ow. and so, you know, and so, uh, 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 John Bobby, you want to pass around? Uh, you know, I can touch my GI Joe. It's a limited edition. Oh, okay. Well, the kids, why don't you get up and walk by it? <laughs> oh, that's right. So we get up out of our desk. We kind of walk by, hey, you know, kind of reach out and touch you Oh, Okay, that was weird. So I go home and tell my dad, I said, God, you know, Bobby brought a G.I. It's so cool. It's in a box. i mean, all I got is my G.I. Joe. He's like, You bring your G.I. Joe. You'd be proud of your G.I. Joe. So I went and found mine. Hey, mine's in the backyard. <laughs> went and got my G.I. Joe. It's in the backyard. It's, you know, I've been playing. I mean, it's been fighting. It's been it's been battling. It's been fighting for our country. I mean, I've lit like its hair on fire. It doesn't have half of its hair. It's burn off. You know, I stuck an M80 in its back. It's got a big hole in its back. I think one day I I tore its arm off and then duct taped it back around. It's been injured. It's an injured G.I. Joe. So the next day I brought my G.I. Joe, I was like, here it is. Here's my G.I. Joe, man. This thing, he's been fighting in Korea. He's got freedom. Look out. Look, his arm comes off. That's so cool. All the kids are like, oh, wow thinking man I'm finally, I'm finally achieving some status here in, in elementary so after I said pass it around let everybody see it look. I said hey man throw it up against the wall it can handle it step on it stomp on it everybody's like Dino yeah what's up resource in the house check it out finally got me some game Say, so what does that have to do with anything it has everything it has everything to do with our story why? because people today that are lost and lonely and hurting they're not looking for some perfect plastic, never been used special edition, uh, neat Christianity that doesn't help anybody People that are lost and fighting addiction and wondering about their future. What are they looking for? They're looking for something authentic and real that has been through some things, that have fought through some moments, that have been through the valley, that have been through the fire and come out of it and know that God is faithful in my life. That's what people are looking for. That's what this world needs.
0: Uh, no, actually, if that's what the world needs, then uh, then why is the gospel the message that Christ was crucified for our sins? Apparently, our greatest need is that we need to be forgiven by God. Uh, I think you're kind of missing the point there. Um...
4: You say, well, I can't share my story. My story's not perfect. Nobody's story is.
0: Yeah, the, but yeah, Jesus is, though. Do you know that's kind of the whole point, that he was the sinless, spotless lamb of God who takes away Uh, the sin of the world. So, yeah, actually, that's kind of a major piece of the gospel, that Jesus' story is that he fulfilled God's law perfectly for us. Yeah, again, I'm the recipient of the good news. My, My life story isn't the good news.
4: A perfect story doesn't help anybody. It's a grace story that helps people. You telling your story. Yeah, well, if, if, a, if a perfect story
0: doesn't help anybody, then I guess the story of Jesus' perfect righteousness, sinlessness under the law, and vicarious death on the cross for our sins doesn't help anybody then, right?
4: Your marriage. You telling your story where your, your son and daughter got healed. You telling your story when you were far from God, you didn't believe. Something happened. You share it. That's what lost, lonely, far from God people are looking for. Can I encourage you today? You have something to show and tell for the cause of Jesus Christ. What I love about this church.
0: Yeah, I'm just a beggar showing another beggar where the bread is. I'm telling him the good news. The good news has already been done. Remember, Jesus said, it is finished yeah, I, I wasn't there when he accomplished it. I'm announcing to everybody, though, what he did because what he accomplished on the cross, dying for my sins and yours, that's some really good news because that means that the war is over. God has his offering pardons to rebel sinners like
4: me and like you. It is just a church that is just displaying the grace story. The mercy story, the true story, the salvation story in people's lives. Serving at the Dream Center.
0: Serving at the what? The Dream Center? Oh, no.
4: Difference in our region. Just lock it in, giving their time, giving their talent, giving their tithe, giving their treasure, just giving because of what God's done in our life. Do you, have you care
0: to give any details of what God has done? I mean, can we look at something objective, like what's in the Word of God? Because, I mean, even the Mormons have stories about how their lives have changed. Are, are you familiar with the fact that Glenn Beck was actually a, a, you know, a, an alcoholic for many years? And now he's, uh, he's alcohol-free, all because of the angel Moroni.
4: Show and tell. He said, well, Dina, how do I do that? I'm going to give you three thoughts. Here's the first one. You have something to share. Yes, it's
0: called the gospel. Jesus said, go and proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins in his name to all nations. Not your story, his story.
4: Your life with somebody else. There's been something, there's been some ink that has been written on some of the pages of your life that you need to share with somebody else. because There's something about what you've walked through that can identify with somebody. There's some things you've, you've, you've pinned. There's some things that, that you've scripted in your life that God almighty helped you through. Can I encourage you? Share it, share with others, be vocal and visible about what God has done.
0: I've come to encourage you with that. Yeah, it's simple. He's forgiven a wretched sinner through his shed blood on the cross, propitiated the wrath of God against me. Because I, just like everybody else, has earned and deserved hell. There you go. There's my peace.
4: It's a real simple thought. Let's do everything we can. because There's people all around us that need to hear the good news.
0: Can can you define the good news, please? Uh, What is the good news, uh, Dino? Because I'm a little bit unclear as to what the good news is. You make it sound like my life changes somehow the good news. It's not.
4: Something to share. Can I tell you something else? You have something to show. There's something you have to show. Show God's forgiveness. Show God's mercy. Show God's grace. And then the third thing is you have something to serve. There's an area for you to serve in so that you can serve others. Can I tell you, the story is not being written, so all you do is share with yourself. The story is not being written, so all you do is is just show the greatness to me, myself, and I. Uh, somehow I feel like
0: he's totally missed the point of the gospel here.
4: The story is being written so that you just don't serve yourself. The story is being written so that what you can share with others. No, the
0: the story isn't being written. The story has been written. What are you talking about?
4: Others, and you can serve others. Because there's a whole lot of others all around us. And you and I get to be a part of that. Every day we get the awesome privilege of being an extension of salt and light, sharing and showing and serving the greatest story ever told. Taking our time that we have,
0: taking our energy. care to tell that greatest story there while you have some pulpit time? Why don't you share that story?
4: Taking our treasure. Taking our giving, taking our resources, taking how God's blessed us and what God's blessed us with, and putting it in circulation in a lot of different ways.
0: Yeah, again, I'm convinced he completely doesn't understand the gospel here.
4: In the workplace, on the campus, through the house of God. And to why? To make a difference in other people's lives.
0: Because you know what? Yeah, I'm not called to make a difference. That's not what the gospel tells us to do. It tells us to go and proclaim Repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name to proclaim Christ and Him crucified for our sins.
4: One of the greatest things about, about the gospel is that once you and I walk through the door of Jesus, Jesus says I'm the door. Once you and I get to step through the door, guess what? We don't let the door close behind us. You know what we get to do? We get to hold the door open. And our life and our share and our showing and our service, we get to hold the door open for who? For others. That's what I love about Church of the Highlands. You've not closed the door on groups of people, the herding, the addict, the, the, the widow, those that are without, those that are lost and lonely. Church of the Highlands has come around through your pastor's heart. What? Open up the door. Let's keep the door open to all kinds of people to make a difference. Hey,
0: this doesn't even make any biblical sense.
4: You know, a couple years ago, I never told much about my little journey through resource and never shared about it just felt like it was not something to be talked about and a couple years ago god dealt with my heart about that he Said that's a part of your story that you can share and you- so god
0: tell you that's a part of your story that you need to share because apparently that's all wrapped up now in the gospel
4: okay you can show and you can serve others that maybe you're walking through challenges and have used challenges maybe as a as a way not to Respond or use a challenge as a way to walk away from God or be bitter or, or be upset. But you can take a li- your little story and you can add to the to the story of sharing. And so, a couple of years ago, God really gave me a heart for special needs. I said, "I want you to tell that story. I want you to use that as an opportunity, the small platform that you have, to encourage to call the body of Christ to serve all kinds of people." So, the last couple of years, we've just kind of gotten more aware of special needs, and it's been heavy on my heart. Because I could not help but think that that is where Jesus would be. That is who Jesus would tell the story of hope to. I want to do that with a large part of my life. Let me show you a quick picture.
0: This is a, a picture. And again, he's telling his story. And The Apostle Paul said, we don't preach ourselves, but Christ is Lord. Yeah.
4: picture of, uh, that was taken, I was unaware that they were taking this picture. This is Oliver. Uh, Oliver is a three-year-old. His parents have been in our church for some time, and he was born in our church with spina bifida. Oliver is a miracle story. That young man has helped change my life. And we had an egg hunt. That was at the egg hunt. I was was unaware that that was being taken. And we did special needs. We we started doing these special needs. We did these egg hunts, and and, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, into the community, and then two years ago, we said, why don't we just not do it for everybody? Why don't we just focus in on special needs kids and pa- family caretakers and, and have some, some ministry with that? And so out of that, these moments, and that's where that was taken. You can take that down. But um, you know, I, I thought about the opportunity to, to share, and one of the things I loved about that picture was um, how it caught, it caught me in a moment of where I was able to just get down so often, and now through Oliver, the last three years, Oliver's parents now have reached dozens of kids in our church of all different types of needs. And um, so often I would see them. And, and about a year ago, the Lord dealt with me and said, every time I see them, I need to get down and look in their eye. Because when you look in someone's eye, you make eye contact. And you know what, you know what happens? They, they see your story and you see their story. Because you can't see it when you're standing over them and standing above them. I felt like the Holy Spirit said, I want you to take the rest of your life.
0: We sure just do a lot of preaching about what apparently God speaks into his heart. Not so much uh, good handling of the biblical text.
4: The energy and the time and the talent, the treasure that you have. And the little platform that you have. And I want you to bring my gospel story. eye level with people.
0: Cue sappy music,
4: bring it to their level, bring it where they're at. And I feel like a big part of that is the special needs families and special need caretakers. You may be here tonight or today, I'm sorry. And uh, you may say, I don't know if I have much to add to the story. Uh, I've ruined.
0: Tough to add to a story that is Finished. To tell a sign. That's what Jesus said.
4: My story, I've messed up some pages. I want to encourage you today that Jesus Christ came from heaven, came down and looked us in the eye.
0: So that now he he came down to earth to die as our substitute on the cross, to propitiate the wrath of God, to atone for our sin.
4: You and I could know God's story. His story of love his story of forgiveness, and his story of grace. Well, great. Why don't you elaborate on, if it's such a great story, why don't you tell it? He stepped down the story to change our story, to give us a fresh start and a new beginning. All across this room, watching at campuses, that may be exactly what you need today. Is you need to open up a fresh yeah. Start.
0: I need more than a fresh start because I keep ruining those on a daily basis. Yeah, I I need full on full pardon, full grip forgi- full forgiveness for all of the sins I've committed and I'm gonna commit because even if I'm given a fresh start, I'm gonna ruin that in about two seconds.
4: Chapter. Guess what? God can do that. Wants to bow our heads and I wants to pray together. I'm going to pray over you. Okay, we're done. All right.
0: So there you have it. Another self-centered all about me. But Jesus got an honorable mention. It was awful nice of him to mention Jesus on the cross. I mean, at least you get something, a little gospel uh, sprinkles, you know, a a little bit of salt added to the sermon there just to make it just salty enough for you to go, oh, oh, wait, yep, I tasted just a smidge of salt there. not gospel preaching it's preaching about yourself and that's one of the major problems with a lot of these preachers nowadays we're not really hearing god's word we're hearing their stories we're learning a lot about them but we're not really hearing a lot about jesus and jesus of course i mean you just kind of mention him and then immediately start talking about yourself because that makes perfect sense how i don't know it only makes perfect sense if you don't understand really who the Bible's about and whose story is being told there Not yours, not mine, but Jesus' story. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is a listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you. Visit our website, and thank you for your support. Until tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. It's his story, everything that he's done for you to save you, even while you were still a sinner. Amen.